ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Oh my God, it's you again. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. With me today is none other than Benny G. Benny G, how are you doing today, bro? Benny G is great. Benny G actually got the timings wrong for this podcast initially because he thought it was 9 a.m. UK time. But when your boy checked the time in L.A., it was 1.13 in the morning. So then I realized I did get up early for no reason. But you know what? Because of that, I've had a very accomplished day. So you know what, Chaz? Thank you. Of course. This is what I'm here to do. I'm here to scare people out of bed. This is this is what I live for. This is great. For those who don't know, I'm sure everyone knows, but Benny G is an influencer who talks to people on the street. We have a very exciting, very relevant topic for today's episode. You, by, now, by now, you know what the topic is. But before we get to that big question, Benny G, I have the Bad Jew challenge for you telling your life story in four minutes. Are you ready? I was born ready. I'm always ready. Excellent. Okay, let's go. Okay, so basically, my parents met in Israel when they were about 20 years old. They're still together. I love them so much. Shout out, mommy and daddy. My dad is from Cape Town, South Africa, um, and he had a great upbringing there, son of Lithuanian Jews. And my mom, uh, her grandpa is a Holocaust survivor from Poland, and he moved over. to. He recovered in the Lake District, which you Americans would probably love. Uh, and he learned English there, and then he moved to Manchester where he met my cool grandma's got like 200 handbags and they fell in love they got married and then they had my mom and then uh my parents were both in israel at the same time they met when they were 20 um and then after five years in israel my mom could not hack the israelis anymore she was like they're too rude so then they moved over to manchester because my mom wanted to be with a family again my dad wanted a new t- challenge you know because the south african rand ain't as strong as the uk pound let's get it baby and they had me and my two sisters, my first one in 95, she's 28, she's getting married in Sicily next year to a nice Jewish boy, big ups. Then they had me in 98, Benny boy, little problem child, but who's made it out the other side, using the charisma for good things now. And then my little sister who actually lives in Israel, she was born in 2000 and she's working in the tech scene in Tel Aviv. Uh, and I love them so much, born and raised in Manchester, proper naughty boy, um, was asked to leave my high school because I couldn't hack the private UK school system because I was crazy um, and I hated authority. And then I was crazy growing up and I got involved with a bit of a naughty crowd and, you know, doing all naughty stuff in Manchester, which I don't recommend, but I guess doing that at such a young age as me as men, I've got it out of the way now. And then I went to uni in Bristol. Your boy has got a law degree. I know I don't look like a lawyer. What lawyers got these? None. Um, and because I was up my own ass, I thought, you know what, like, I'll be a lawyer. I'm really cool. And then as soon as I got to my first lecture in Bristol, I was like, this isn't for me. And then in my later years, after partying at uni for ages and ages and ages, I was like, what do I actually want to do? And it was like, my best skills, my personality, use it for good things. And then I started my YouTube channel in lockdown after university. It did okay. But this was like before I got on the short form videos and Tiki Toki. So big shout out to China on that one. You've done us good on that one. Even though you're probably hoarding all my data, but take it. You deserve it for helping me. And um, then I moved to London, got fired from three jobs because all I wanted to do was my own thing. And I felt I need to carry on my grandpa's message. That's the driving force behind everything. Holocaust survivor who never settled in life and built a beautiful life for himself after the war. And 
Um, started on TikTok late 2021, no clue what I was doing. Then my best friend in 2022, early 2022 said, "Why we always talk to people in the street, let's get a little mic and put it in your phone and speak to people. And then in May, I started doing that properly. Got a video got uh, with 1.6 million views. I was like, okay, there's something here. Carried it on, smashed it out. Lots of ups and downs. Why is this not working? Why is that not working? And then in January, it's become full time. Because you know what, I've consistent and I believe in myself. And now I literally do it every day. You know, I'm always editing videos and we're speaking to people in the street. And then I was like, you know what? That's enough of me just sharing the stage with other people. I've got a great story to tell. What makes Benny Benny? You know, it's the grandpa's story. It's my Jewish identity. It's the hair, the teeth, everything all blended into one. So we speak about it. And as soon as I start speaking about my Judaism, like last month or something, a couple months ago, it all... Like it pops off, you know, and and it's been great, you know, because I'm so proud of it. And, you know, I feel like a completely unique boy from Manchester in London with this mad story, mad luck, you know, world domination started. I'll see you in LA soon, Chaz. That's me. Love it. I love the energy. I love, love the energy. I love world domination for sure. Uh, I hope the Benny G brand keeps getting out there. But one thing I didn't realize until you said it just now is that only a couple months ago you started talking about the Jewish identity in you. Mm-hmm. What 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 was what happened a couple months ago that made that more important? Uh, it was always the plan to start making videos about myself, you know, because I think in this world, you know, like that I work in, people they they like what you do, but really it's like about storytelling, and you know, I've got so many impactful stories that other people don't really have like even being jewish with such a small minority in itself and then being jewish and like doing what i do and how i look and everything is even smaller minority you know so um i was like you know what fuck it i've been wanting to make videos for ages uh by myself i was like you know what i'll go and record a video by myself and see how it does and and then it got like a couple hundred thousand views and it was great so uh and then i said to myself you know what one interview a day because that's where the money is you know that's how i make my money it's through the interviews and then also speaking about myself my judaism my, my grandpa's stories and how it's affected my life but also how it's affected other people's lives you know so it's all about telling stories Charles. and all i want to do i don't care really too much i'm not 22 anymore you know i don't care about people coming up to me in the street like obviously it's nice and everything but it doesn't mean anything really it's about having impact on the world and a message and that's what i'm here to do I love that. I tell a lot of people every day when they when they ask me about, you know, how to create content, because I'm a content creator and I produce a lot of content for the corporate world here in Los Angeles and in America. You know, now I'm producing Bad Jew and Bad Jew really is the place where I've taken all of my advice that I've used for my clients content and put it into one place for me. When my clients tell me, like, how do I get sponsored? Right. Mm -hmm. What I tell them off the bat is, listen, sponsorship this early in the stage is not going to happen. Sponsorship is a side effect of making good content so mm-hmm. right now just focus on making good content and getting it out there be willing to make that investment and you'll eventually see an roi you exactly. know that's that's really my that's really my mindset and i wish that was more popularized as opposed to putting a romanticized idea of how, what fame and and making content looks like because it's not glorious at all it's not a luxurious no. lifestyle whatsoever it's such a mental battle like it's such a mental battle at first because it's probably better that you don't pop off straight away. Like I was yeah. messing around and I made a video and it got a million views when I first started and I had no clue what I was doing. And then I was like, kept chasing that. And it was just a stupid little six second video, you know? Right. Um, and 
uh, I was like chasing it, chasing it. I was like, why not getting these views again? You know, so it's better to find your way before you start getting views. And it's all about being consistent and never giving up. Like it's never been easier to make something of yourself in this world. You know, that's the, one of the good things about the internet. So if you're prepared for like the long game and you're prepared to make two videos a day to post on TikTok at least, then Godspeed, my friend, let's get it. Let's get it. I love it. Well, let's make a transition then into the actual topic of the episode. The reason why people are here. I think this is a big question because there are videos you see online all the time about non-Jews talking to Jews, Jews talking to non-Jews and those different interactions. There's a lot of people who build their brand off of kind of reaching across the aisle and having difficult conversations, but your content stands out very differently. One, because of your personal brand and what you've established for yourself, but two, also because you have this very unique, positive approach to addressing negative topics. Mm -hmm. I've heard you say, let's go to so many different things. And it's, it's infectious. It makes me smile every time I look at it. I just, yeah. I feel good. I feel very happy when I'm watching mm -hmm. your content, even if the guest you're speaking to has a very different opinion that I strongly disagree with. Mm -hmm. So- I would love to know, and I know the audience would love to know, how do you talk to non-Jews about Judaism? Honestly, throughout my whole life, it's been one of the first things I've told people about myself. Because, like, my, my family are so good. Like, the base has been so strong, you know. My parents have been together since they were 20. My two sisters were all best friends. Like, uh, I tell them everything. There's no secrets. I always use this as an example. First time. I ever got an STI child, the first person I called was my mum, you know, it wasn't the doctor. <laughs> you know, like there's no secrets and that's a very Jewish thing, you know, to be very open to your family. And because of that, I've never had any identity issue, you know, and this is why I can freely dress and look how I want, you know, without care of people thinking like what I am. You know, I love being, people don't know what I am, you know, they're like, what's his gender? What's his sexuality? You know, I love it. I love being like the little Benny G mystery. And... <laughs> I think that's it's always been one of the first things that I tell people about myself. So as I've grown up, that feeling has never gone at all. So for me, it's always been easy because of the strong family base and like the belief in identity and just being happy. Like if if it makes you happy to tell people that you're Jewish, then do it. But honestly, Chas, it's always been one of the first things I've ever said about myself. And nearly every single time I get a positive reaction, you know? So okay. It's always been part of me. It's ne it's never like a second thought. Like you could literally, if you reincarnated Hitler right now, before I shot him, I would be like, oh, one of the first things I tell him is that I'm Jewish. You know what I mean? I don't care who you are. Like, it's just always been like off the bat, something I'm proud of and I love. That's very brave. And I also got to imagine that ties into your grandpa's message. Yeah. You, you did in your four minute intro kind of briefly explain what your grandpa's underlying messages that you want to carry out in your content but can you can you point blank say what your grandpa's message is your yeah who, yeah who survived the camps yeah yeah for sure so there's there's more than one like core core values what you can take from my grandpa yeah the one that i've taken personally the most and with this comes with the luck and the way i live my life and the fearlessness is never settling because he had everything taken from him and he could have sulked after the war or you know all my family were killed hundreds of them only had one cousin left um, and he never settled on. He built an amazing business for himself and had a great life, traveled the world with my grandma, had the kids and he died at 96. And when we talk about his death and when he even died, obviously it was sad, 
But we were like, he's so accomplished. It was like, you know, rest easy now. Um, so that's like the core value I've taken myself. Um, but there's there's other ones, you know, like inclusivity, which I've taken into my life. You know, I've got friends from all different backgrounds. I don't care where you're from. As long as you're a nice person, I'll chill with you. Don't care about sexuality, gender, ethnicity, anything. As long as you're a good person. And that was the beauty of being raised in Manchester, a multicultural city. We had an amazing friendship group where you had millionaires chilling with people from council estates, like social housing, you guys call it. And and that was great. So it's like inclusivity, never settle, and also never forgetting the the fucked up things that happened in life, you know? Because, sure. because that does define history. And you, as the survivors die, you know, their story will die unless there's people that want to carry on the message. And for me, it's all about carrying on the message. I'm not making it relevant just to the Jewish people. I want everyone to know about it because, you know, it really makes you grateful for everything. And if I'm ever lost, I think about what my grandpa went through. And if, if I think why I've done all this that I've built and it's all for him. It's amazing. And, you know, one of the major criticisms that I've always had for Jewish content, and I, I realize that I'm uh, a victim to my own criticism here, is, you know, kind of preaching to the choir of consistently only talking to Jewish people about topics that are easy to talk to Jewish people about mm. because it's much more difficult to talk to Gentiles about them. You can constantly reach across the aisle. You stand out from the, from the mold and you approach people in a very non-confrontational way. Your content mm. is in the format of the man in the microphone kind of really format, right? Well, Going up to the microphone and you're asking them questions. I just watched a TikTok of you walking up to a man and saying, should religion exist? And the man happened to be Muslim and he was talking about his experience yeah. of uh, what Islam means to him, which is beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, what are some of the you know best reactions that you've had when talking about Israel or Judaism in the public street like that? And what's been the most difficult part of that for you? Oh, that's a great question. Love that. Okay, one of the most amazing things that I've encountered when I was asking about Israel-Palestine, I stopped doing that because it, I think it became too political and, you know, I don't want to do politics. I'm here for the message. I don't want to be a politics boy. So I've taken a back seat from that one, but I'm still happy I explored it because, you know, it's still part of my identity. My parents lived there. But I'm very much like a centrist, you know, just because of my upbringing, meeting my Muslim friends. You know, I'm very much like two-state solution, boy. No one's going anywhere. It's the best option and peace and love to all, you know. So if anyone hates me for that message, then I think they're in the wrong because that that is like a pure, peaceful message, you know. That's all I hope for. But like in terms of reactions, the most amazing one is I spoke to a random guy on the street, an English guy, and he was like, yeah, uh, I volunteered in Palestine. I volunteered in Ramallah, you know, in Hebron. Uh, and I've never met anyone in my life that has been and volunteered there. And he told me about it. And I was like, wow, that's really amazing. Because, you know, being on the street is great because you're like, whoa, I'm, like, I might get any any sort of reaction. But some have really stood out to me because I've never met anyone that's volunteered there. And that one was like crazy. And that's like very relevant to this. And um, what else is outstanding? That's like the one in recent memory, but um, what's been the hardest thing? The hardest thing it came with the Israel-Palestine stuff is that the people messaging me, 
that I don't ever care about people messaging me, but people messaging me making me feel like I've done something wrong because I'm wishing for peace. I thought that was really messed up, you know. I've never I've never encountered that, like, done a positive thing and it been taken in a wrong way. But I understand why people are radicalised, yeah. I can see their point of view, even though I fully don't agree with it. Like, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I've never lived in either place and I'm here trying to find both sides of the story. But, you know, I've not had my house destroyed by the Israeli government or I've not had a family member, God forbid, because my sister lives there, I don't want to jinx it, but I've not had someone I know be blown up in a terrorist attack in Tel Aviv, you know what I mean? So I'm removed from it and I tried to make it a positive thing and then dealing with like the radical reaction from that was something very new to me and I was like, whoa, like this is like proper politics and intent. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually really interesting because with the kind of content that you and I produce, we oftentimes flirt with political radicalism all the time. The kind of content that we're putting out there incites people to come to us unwarranted and kind of spew radical beliefs. And, you know, some sometimes there are, you know, legitimate interactions that we have, right? Sometimes someone genuinely has a question. They, they were raised in a certain way. And you can tell the, um, the genuinely, I'm going to call them, the genuinely interested Socratean style conversations versus the people who are really just trying to incite emotion. Mm. And I was just having this conversation with a, with a member of my community, uh, the Badju WhatsApp community right there. And this community member said to me, you know, was talking about how people have started to subscribe to political movements in order more so less, less so to actually because they believe in that movement, but more so because they are trying to stigmatize or trying to contradict a certain narrative to be anti-establishment more. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really true part of human nature is that we mm-hmm. make those those petty decisions we subscribe to sometimes causes without really knowing the full yeah. um, the full gravity of what you're subscribing to. We live in a time where weaponizing emotions is normal. And I think I think that was just really an interesting conversation that kind of added a lot of perspective on that. I even just the other day received DM because we we did an episode on Takun Olam. It was from a humanitarian volunteer who is currently in Ukraine, and like she recorded the episode from Kiev and talked about you know talked about how she's applying Takun Olam to this terrible tragedy happening in Ukraine right now. And I got this DM that I actually kept because I actually found it really funny. And I don't want to share it with you because I, I started laughing. I, I laughed when I read it. For those in the international, CNN is one of the major, most, um, you know, I would say uh, middle left, you know, biased news stations out here in the US. But I received this DM that I thought was absolutely hysterical, which was, how much is CNN paying you to propagandize Putin's war? I guess you and Joseph Goebbels have something in common after all. Hashtag propaganda. Hashtag propaganda. I want peace. My great uncle Julius escaped Auschwitz and my mother is 100% Russian firstborn American. You live up to your name, bad Jew. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure you've received messages like that before. Yeah, of course, of course. But you know what? With anyone, to anyone that is just starting and, you know, they want to make this, their living or like you want to grow a social media account you're bound to get some hate for something like it's just it's part of the world you know um and it's easy to say don't let it affect you right. and nearly all of it goes over my head but 
something like that or something where you know you try to do something nice and you think that it's promoting peace and you know you're you're doing a good thing it like if someone messages you and takes it in the complete wrong way slash makes up a way that you've done it and twists it it's a really weird feeling because you're like well I'm trying to do something nice and yeah that and then it makes you feel bad because these are sensitive topics you know so so yeah it's it's well but like I said if you if you want that to be your life and you want to do it then be prepared for the hate baby it comes all the time I was not prepared for the hate, but I'll tell you right now that it really is a blessing at the end of the day to constantly have be challenged and grow thicker skin from it because it does prepare me to reach beyond the stream yard or, or Zoom calls that I'm on and eventually have in-person conversations like you. Yeah. You really do have that strength and capability to talk to people in person. And I really commend that to have those difficult conversations. It's much more mm -hmm. difficult to have them in person. For the sure. Jerusalem Post, by the way, has a lot of really amazing uh, insights. They made an article about talking to Gentiles about Judaism and the different approaches to it. Uh, and I, I found uh, a few different excerpts from their post. The first one here that I wanted to pull up is that, you know, they talk about the phrase light unto nations. The Bible makes it clear that God and Jews must be concerned about the welfare of non-Jews. The entire book of Jonah revolves around God wanting a Jewish prophet to go and inspire the entire non-Jewish population uh, of Nineveh to be a better people. In Genesis chapter 18, we see how concerned Abraham was about God's plan to destroy Sodom, a pagan city filled with wicked people. So yeah, it's I find I find I find this kind of stuff interesting. I was wondering if you could speak to see injustice happening on the streets. I'm using the streets very vaguely here, I'm not yeah. necessarily talking about the streets that you're on. How do you create conversations around that? What what exactly is there a process for 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 how you put yourself out there to be a light under nations? As in, when I go out on the streets and speak about a sensitive topic or something in current affairs that I want to discuss that can be a bit touchy, how do I prepare yeah. for that? Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, I've just grown up and my whole life I've had this fearlessness. This, going up to people in the street, regardless of the topic, doesn't matter how deep it is, I, I don't know, it's just second nature to me. So I couldn't give you the formula of why I've got it. Like, I don't care who I'm stood in front of, you know, nothing really phases me. Like, I've met really famous people, it's not phased me. It's, I've met, you know, interview people that live on the street, and it's not phased me, you know. I don't care who you are, but if you're happy to give your, give your time to me and have a proper discussion, then we'll click instantly. So this fearlessness that I've got, I was just born with. I've always been like this, you know. I don't. I don't care who it is. I'll always go speak to someone. If I think you look cool or I think you've got something good to say, I will ask you regardless, you know. So it's not like, oh, how can I get around this scary topic? It will be like one day I wake up and I'll be like, okay, Benny, we're going to ask this question today. Put on my Instagram story. Who can help me film in East London? Who can help me film in Central London? You know, Charles. And then I will go out with my microphone, doesn't matter what the question is, and I'll go stand in the middle of the street and go, who wants to be in a video? And, you know, <laughs> some people will come in it, some people won't, uh, and doesn't matter of the question, I've got no fear in asking it, you know? So it's just, that's why I do it, you know? Because I've been blessed with this skill of speaking to people, and you can't take it for granted, and that's why I'm using it for good and positive.
things, you know? So yeah, it's just pure fearlessness, bro. It's not like a process at all. It's like second nature. I don't even think about it. And what advice would you give to people who are scared to have those conversations with non-Jews in public like that? Oh, wow. So that's a really good question. It's, it's so mad for me because even my friends say this, you know, because I make new friends all the time. You know, I'm, I can make like a best friend in, in six months. It's crazy. And I don't even think about it. It's like just so second nature. So if you're scared about it, I would think make, you know what? Like make a little timeline for yourself because I know it can be daunting to go out. So if you're Jewish and you want to speak to non-Jews about your religion and you're like, whoa, I feel no way near it. Okay. It's sort of like, let's make a little timeline and we'll build up to it because you can't just drop someone in the street. They'll just be like, whoa. So I say, I'm sure nearly everyone watching this will have an interaction with a non-Jewish person at some point today. You know, if you go outside, okay, have a little, I'm guessing most of your audience is in America. Guys, Americans are friendly. In London, no one wants to chat to you. Take advantage of this, yeah? When you go to, I don't know, Walgreens and you're going to buy buy some food or something, have a little conversation with the cashier, you know? Or have a conversation with someone that's like a shop assistant, something like that. Okay, so that's step one. You've already spoken to a non-Jewish person today. And then it's like, okay, what's next? Then say you're out in the streets, you know, and you sit down on a bench. And you sit next to a random person. Why don't you ask them how the day is? Okay, then you're getting into a bit more of a deeper conversation. So you start off with small talk, then you're getting into deeper conversation, you know, even though it's still not too deep, you know, how's your day, where are you from, all that. So that's stage two, yeah. And then stage three is maybe open up a bit more, you know, like someone watching this, you are probably working. There will be some people watching this. Your colleagues don't know that you're Jewish, you know. So We've done small talk. We've done like sat down with a stranger at our bench and a bit more engaged. Now stage three is why don't you tell someone at work that you're actually Jewish? I mean, you'll be so shocked at how good their reaction is. And if their reaction is bad, you do not want to be in contact with that person. So it's like a, it's a win-win, you know? You eliminate a bad person from your life or, you know, you tell someone something cute and nice and something about your identity. And then, you know, that's stage three. So you've told someone that you know about your religion and then it's like okay what's next and then you can sit with them again and speak more deeply about it and then I would say okay maybe you could go out on the street or start like have a little podcast conversation you know you don't have to even go anywhere you, you like you build it up until you're ready so I'd say start small and make, and make it big because I know it can be daunting and then soon it'll become second nature to you you know it might even become your job like me you know so yeah. who knows we all start from the same point, Chaz. So, yeah, you've not got that fearlessness. Build up slowly. And you know what? You'll be surprised at how good the reaction is nearly all the time. I love it. I love I think it's great advice. But, you know, I think in these interactions, people do fall victim to, you know, innocently ignorant comments. I was even at a function last night where someone made an ignorantly ignorant comment to me uh, with me wearing a keeper and my dietary, you know, restrictions this was a non-Jew who said it and I just kind of nodded it off and, you know, smiled because they didn't mean any harm by it. But I want to ask you, you know, how do you handle in those interactions when someone does make an innocently ignorant comment? Uh, I, like, I think in those situations, again, 
these questions are so great, but I keep having having to think outside the box because you know I'm so like like secure in myself and I know everything. So most of the time I'll just be like, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't care. It's not going to change my day, you know. Right. But if if you're like profoundly affected by it and you think that oh that's really wrong and I want to correct that person, then that is what you're Jewish for, you know. You're there to like spread the word on the religion it's not like converting them but it's about education you know you don't get anywhere without education this is the problem the most racists are purely uneducated you know they're red stuff they're susceptible to info it's like in those moments like in a social circle you know i wouldn't you don't have to do it in front of everyone embarrassing say there's like five people that you know you know you'll be like can you just like come get a drink with me at the bar you know, um, can you just come here? I just want to chat to you for something, uh, chat to you about something. You know, if you do it in a nice way and an explanatory way, and you and that person doesn't feel attacked because people always get defensive about those things. You know, I didn't mean anything. I thought it was funny. Blah blah blah. All that stuff. You you tell them in a friendly way, explanatory way. It's fine. But personally, you know, like most stuff just goes. It's just like whatever. But if I feel like I need to speak up, then yeah, of course I'll take that person aside and then they get educated. I love it. And it does remind it, it. I think that that's, I think that's really important because what you're saying is don't be, don't be defensive, right? Yeah. I, look at it as an opportunity to gently guide someone in the right direction. Yeah. Because you know, us Jews, people don't really know a lot about them. And yeah. what is really exciting about bad Jew, by the way, is that because of the title, a lot of non-Jews have started to listen to Bad Jew as well because they really do enjoy learning about these topics in a very approachable, friendly way. And they also find the title very funny. So, so a lot of, thank you, appreciate that. A lot of people have definitely sparked interest. I think we have, to, you know, we as Jews, since we're a light in the nations, we have to be open and ready to confront that kind of ignorance, you know? Mm. You know, I've, I've experienced a ton of this. I had a meeting last week where someone ignorantly said oh you jews are known for being lawyers and accountants <laughs> and i smiled and i nodded because it wasn't that big of a deal but it still kind of got me and it probably means i'm not going to do business with this guy but no yeah. less it was like an interaction that you know really surprised me and made my eyes brow frow a little bit so yeah. my eyebrows frow a little bit so you know it's it's it's, it's a very interesting balance you have to do, you have to do there was another instance I mentioned this earlier on another episode of the podcast where I had a friend in college who, you know, he knew I was Jewish. He knew I was very proud to be Jewish. And every time he saw a black hat Orthodox Jew walking by, he would take a picture of him and send it to me and said, Chaz, I didn't know you were here. And so eventually I confronted him about that. I said, hey, that's really not cool. And I remember after a while, I had to say it to him multiple times. And I eventually had to get more heated because of it because he really wasn't understanding the message that what he was saying was blatantly anti-Semitic. Mm. You know, saying that we're all look the same, that we're all the same type, that I look like him just because we happen to be of the same blood. It's mm. not acceptable, you know? Yeah, for sure. So there is, there is a balance there. There is some kind of advocacy you have to put out there and you have to yeah. make it clear. You know what? We're all human beings and you can't say to every Jew that when they hear something that they don't quite agree with, there is no way that every person will go and use it as an opportunity to educate or you know tell that person what they should have said what was wrong with it you know but if you feel like it will benefit them and you then jump at the chance jump at the chance but if you feel like you know you might be having a bad day you might be tired 
you don't have to force yourself because if you force yourself to do it, then that's when stuff can get nasty, you know. You have to be like willing and ready to do it, you know. I think that's really smart. I also want to acknowledge one other thing you said as well that I really want to make clear to any non-Jew who was listening. We are not trying to convert you. In fact, it is a sin to convert you. If anyone ever knocks on your door and they say, will you come to our synagogue? Most likely they're Messianic Jews. They're not actual Jews. They are the Jews for Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. In our religion, it is a sin for us to try to convert you. It is a sin for us. In fact, it's actually what we're supposed to do. If you want to convert, we have to attempt to dissuade you on three different occasions from becoming Jewish. It's a it's a whole ordeal. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't even know that. So I've learned something. I didn't know that you have yeah, three stages Yeah, yeah. No, it's one of those interesting things that it's a sin to convert to 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 proselytize and we have to dissuade you three times from joining mm-hmm. Judaism before we actually accept you. It's mm-hmm. a whole process. There's a lot of other steps and we have an episode on conversion coming up in the near future that we'll talk more in depth about that. But you know I I Benny G I just want to say that you being on this podcast, you've really come on and talked about something that a lot of my guests have kind of insinuated and hinted at, but you really confront it and you live by this every single day. You talk to non-Jews about Mm. multiple subjects that are very, very difficult to confront. Mm. You talk to people on the street, which means that you're getting a wild card of emotions coming at you. You don't know what they're going to react and how they're going to react, but you're Mm. having that conversation and you're doing it fearlessly. So yeah. Kohaka vote to you. I really do appreciate what you're doing. I think it's Thank really you. amazing. It's a real mitzvah. And Thanks. I think as well that, you know, I think there's something important for people to learn from, not just everyday people like me, but actual Jewish leaders as well um, mm-hmm. that go out there. You yourself are a very unique Jewish leader. And I really do love what you and your brand has created. Oh, so thank you, bro. That was beautiful words. I love it. You know, you've that's the best compliment I could get, you know, because it's that to do with the message and the impact on people you know so that means a lot because that's what i seek to do now because everything else has become auxiliary or secondary you know someone if they can complement the message and they feel feel like i'm achieving something then yeah it means a lot but on that point i do want to say this like I don't speak about this on my videos because i guess it can promote anti-semitic sentiment but like you know as jews we do a lot of the time like to stick together and we can be insular you know it's like it is a thing that we do but the beauty of this world obviously the world is still a mess but it's always been a mess now though people are way more accepting of conversation i think it's our our obligation to make ourselves and our traditions known to other people and bring them in you know the best feeling i've ever had is bringing some of like the girlfriends that I've had who are Muslim or like some of my friends who are Christian or atheist to a, a Friday night dinner, you know? I've really loved that because it's completely new to them and to see them experience that is, has been one of my favorite things. And my non-Jewish friends, I remember them on bar mitzvah, they had the best time, you know? Or I've seen them at Jewish weddings. So I think now is, there's no time like now to know help the world learn our traditions that there's only what 17 million of us or 15 we're so small in population and you know people think all this stuff about us you know they assume all this stuff so put yourself out there you know i love it i really Mm. really love that benny g and i think that you know branching out and you know leaving the bubble that you might be in Mm. um to go and have those authentic experiences in the outside world 
mm. is so integral to the message here. So really, so I love that a lot. I love that. Benny G, say someone really, really hates you and they want to slide into your DMs to send you a message. What's the best way to reach out? By the way, I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> please do follow Benny G. Yeah. What's the best way to reach out to you? Okay, so you can catch your boy on TikTok. It's at Benny G, B-E-N-N-Y-J and four years. And then it's the same on Insta, but with three years. And if you want to message me about anything, just say you listen to this podcast. And, you know, if you've got fear of speaking to people in the streets, you want to start doing it, I'll give you the best advice possible. And if you're ever in London, you know your boy will be holding the camera for you. I will stop people in the street and we'll get that practice in. And who knows what could happen, baby. I love it. Next time I'm in London, I'm coming to see you first, okay? Yes, bro, and I'm taking you to Oxford Circus. So busy, chock-a-block, every type of person ever. And we are giving you my microphone and you are going in your yarmulke and we are going to stop people, and we are doing some beautiful educating. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sure. I can't wait. I can't wait. Sure. Benny G, thanks for being on Bad Jew. For those who are listening, Bad Jew, what this a question was asked by the Bad Jew WhatsApp community. It's a safe space to ask any question, any question, any question you want in this community. You do not have to be Jewish to be a part of it. Please, if you want to be a part of it, email me at badjewpod at gmail.com. Or fill out the intake form on my Instagram in the link. Uh, and right there, we'll be able to add you promptly to that WhatsApp community. Benny G, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll see you next time. Let's get it. Come on. Shalom. <laughs>